Welcome to Fake Besties with Besties. I'm Tim. And I'm Mo. And we are real-life besties who have formed imaginary friendships with notable personalities, making them our very own... Fake Besties! On today's episode is one of my fake besties, Bo Burnham. Uh, you may know him. He's an American comedian, musician, writer, filmmaker, and poet. Um, he's had some great comedy specials, words, 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 what? Uh, Make Happy. I really, really enjoyed that one, uh, especially yeah. towards the end. So go watch that. Um, he was the star and co-creator of Zach Stone. Is going to be famous, correct? Yeah, yeah. Your big bestie, get it right. Uh, book yeah. of poetry, egghead. Um, and then he also wrote and directed this amazing film called Eighth Grade that came out this summer. If you haven't seen it, please See go. It. I actually, this is just a random note. <laughs> I was going through my wallet buying some coffee today. I still have my ticket stubs from eighth grade. I'll text it to you as soon as we're done with this, Tim. Not even joking. Like, it meant that much to me. I became the eighth grade Mo. That kept yeah. my movie ticket stubs. It's a movie stub worth keeping. It is, but like I don't know if you did that in eighth grade. I did. I had like a box of it. Like that was important shit. I don't know, but like I still do it. Okay. Yeah. You're still eighth grade <laughs> mo. Uh, anyway, so go see that. That is a little introduction of Tim's fake bestie. Uh, yeah. 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 So before we get into Bo. Let's get okay. into me and Mo. <laughs> oh. um, as you can see, uh, you know, we used to do a bi-weekly podcast. And then, uh, you know, life has just been uh, happening. And now it's, I don't even want to say bi-monthly. And honestly, I really, truly believe, dear listeners, or if you're still listening, we will get better. We have hope. Yeah. That's all, that's all you can have these days. Uh. Um there's been a lot of adapting. This is the first time that Mo and I aren't in the same room recording, so this should make it even more awkward. But maybe in our fake lives we still are. Oh, That'd yeah. In our fake lives, we're in this posh recording studio. Yeah. You know? And the audio is always supreme and has never been bad. Always. Um, but basically, let me tell you guys, I moved away. Like, um, so like, basically like multiple states are now between Tim and I. Yeah. And now basically me and Mo are pen pals through podcasting. That's what I've coined it. Yeah. That's okay. It's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good <laughs> yeah, coin. My, my, um, my soul hasn't broken since you've moved at all. I'm not lonely <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, well, humble brag on my bestie, but Mo has been busy fighting the good fight, battling social issues on the daily first off thank you but also throughout our real life and our fake life friendship for all of these years that's nothing new uh it's just you know i guess the only difference is it's breaking me more on the inside now <laughs> right <laughs> and it's become more of like uh, another side job because you know that's what we millennials have is it's not a laziness factor it's because we have to have a billion jobs and maybe one of them is now a social justice and you're dying inside right sorry guys keep listening <laughs> keep listening we're just updating you tim what about you like, <laughs> oh me i've just been navigating the extremely weird social dynamics of cub scouts oh that's that's been my life i really thus far. have you guys gone like camping yet like what do cub scouts do 
oh, what do we do on my honor? I could I could go into a litany of things that we do or have to do or are forced to do, but we did go camping. I um, would love that's like what I that's what I would love to see is you pitching a tent. <laughs> it's kind of a comedy all its own. I know, I'm really sad. Actually gonna we're gonna actually have a real life moment here, guys. Um whenever he went camping for the first time, I was very concerned and I was telling him all of my camping supplies because i'm a big camper i really need to go on a camping trip give me your give me your kids i'll take you camping <laughs> i feel like you would be the best den mother i think i'd be time. better than all it sounds like from your experience i would be better than all of the dads combined mostly me Anyway, so that's what we've been up to. That's what I've been doing. But honestly, in this new location, I've been kind of freelancing is what the kids are calling it, you know? When you freelance, it's kind of a different work schedule, right? So whenever you... Look, I avoid work. Even in my freelance life, you know, you do that. That is okay? like, that is the freelance life. It's like right. it's like a lot of time, and then like that. It's like the Sunday night panic that you had yeah. in like middle school. Yeah. Look, I'm but I'm really good at filling large swaths of downtime. Like, look, I have my Netflix Mondays, my my Hulu Tuesdays. Catch up on the news on Wednesdays, which <laughs> these days sends me into a cry it out Sundance channel Thursday. Hence making me feel like I've earned a go to the movies on Friday. I feel my schedule better living freelance than I ever did having an office job. I'll tell you that much. I would love it if we could honestly be honest on resumes about like things you learn like in the like during your unemployment periods or like the freelance and like how you fill your time because you know like you're probably learning stuff watching all this tv i'm a big <laughs> book person who goes out and does other things and like teaches myself how to woodwork you know to <laughs> each his own um but i really wish like we could like put on our resume skills like that like i would love to actually be able to like be like hey i know how to milk a goat I know calligraphy. Oh, you do? Um, I know how to uh, mold chocolate into roses. I've actually picked up soap carving. Oh, I I can, um, if someone suddenly dies at work, I can remain calm and keep everyone calm and keep things in order. These are things that I've learned. Oh, oh and you know, I have a naval fluff collection. Okay, I have um, a really good patience long term. That I can like maintain clearly my calm and my chill and patience. And I feel like that should be the top priority with hiring someone is if someone has like patience. Oh, especially, yeah, if my being as my top priority is 15 to 25 hours of television watching a week. What if you, what, what if you listed off all of the TV you watch on your resume? Oh, dude, I think, I think honestly, if I listed all of the television that I watched on my resume, they'd be like, are you going to have time for this job? Like that's that's where I'm at, and they don't even know about my fake life yet. Yeah, you know what a, I mean. Which takes up a lot of time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I'm even imagining in my fake life that there's this lull in work, right? Like even if you have the job that you dream about having. Yeah, it's got to be realistic, man. Fake life, real life, balance. Baby. Yeah. There has to be 
these moments, like even if you have this dream job where you're questioning what you're doing, right? Say you were a writer and it's what you've always wanted to do for a living, but it's got its normal job-like stresses that make you wonder if it's worth doing in the first place. Like deadlines, constantly being in your head trying to think of shit to write, hating everything that you're writing. The only thing in the office kitchen is dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out this coffee-to-water ratio for this particular coffee pot. Is what I'm writing even necessary? Etc. Hell, even Daniel Day-Lewis, one of the greatest actors of all time, took time off to cobble shoes for a couple of years. So yeah, everybody needs to take a step back every once in a while. I like, so like basically what I'm gathering from this like little tangent is like your Daniel Day-Lewis time is perfecting the perfect microwave time ratio for dino nuggets, whatever those things are. <laughs> basically, yes. That's okay. So in my fake life, being a glutton for punishment, I write and direct movies. But my films that I make are pretty bleak to say the least. It's always just the stuff that I've been into, which says a lot about me. Um, and when I research, uh, you know, the internet for ideas, like crazy stories that are happening or interesting cultural things going on. I feel like that can't be hard right now. No, not at all. Reality's scary. Um, but you always end up going down some like random wormhole when you start like doing all this internet research. Like you start to look up stuff about like militias, but then two hours later you found yourself reading about competitive endurance tickling. Oh yeah, I, I don't know if it's weird, but I already knew that. <laughs> Should I add that to my so, resume? But, but Either way, I came upon Bo Burnham the same way, okay? I was honestly looking up a ton of depressing shit, but some way or another came upon these YouTube, his YouTube videos. Um, and once you see one, you're like, boom, 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 boom. You just keep going. They're addictive. I totally okay. get that. That's how I'm right now with like Mr. Rogers clips. If I want a good cry or like baby goats, Yes. you know, we all have that. <laughs> yeah. We, you all just kind of, this is the rabbit hole that I went down as Bo. And what struck me the most was the vulnerability of these videos, right? Like, look, dramatic stuff can be pretty vulnerable, but comedy is people at their most vulnerable. Um, comedians say things and do things putting themselves out there like no other. I don't know. Like, I was kind of blown away by how open he could be. And I think it's worth noting he was, like, one of the founding people of, like, YouTube. Like, before YouTubers were a thing. Meaning, like, when it was just a viral video. Now, like, YouTubers is probably in, like, the dictionary. Like, so this was, like... The beginning. <laughs> but but backtrack just a little bit. Things were happening in my career, and I had gotten money to do one of my films. So I was pretty excited, which for me is a rarity. Um, it had even gotten so real that I was interviewing people for different positions for the movie. Um, and there was this really talented director of photography, also known as a cinematographer, that I wanted to meet. And he was working in the Los Angeles area at the time on a film called Rough Night. But because we were really wanting to nail this DP down and schedule being what it was, the powers that be suggested I go meet him on a set. Now, this is the worst possible scenario for me. Or, like, let's be honest, really for anyone. If it's not 
the film set that you're working on going and visiting a loved one or like doing like it's not fun film sets are a lot like being thrown back into high school or eighth grade to uh you know what i mean it's clicky you are completely self-aware at every moment people are looking at you wondering what you're doing there silently judging you not exactly this best vibe for tim <laughs> but i get it and I really wanted to see this guy and meet this guy regardless, right? Lock him down. Lock him down, as they say in the biz. Being that the night, the word night, is in the title uh, of this movie, they were shooting nights. And look, at this point in my life, I had both kids, and they were different stages of infancy, so sleep was like an old friend of mine that had become a casual acquaintance, basically. And it still is. Um, and after a long flight and some other meetings, I was exhausted, but I had to stay up. So I get to the set and I'm like housing coffee and chocolate, anything to keep me awake, right? So most of the time I kind of like awkwardly lingered, which I'm really good at, a lot near... But that's like film people too. Like, I mean, like other than like four people, the rest of us are just like on phones. Yeah, exactly. So I was basically doing the same thing. So I look like I belong. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. The coffee hits, right? And I gotta go. So I talk to the nearest person with a headset on and ask where the bathroom is. And she graciously points me over to this big like trailer looking thing with a bunch of bathroom stalls inside, right? And I walk in and look, I'm not trying to be uppity, but I ain't rocking this. I'm not doing this. Okay, I take my shirt off when I take a dump. It, it was too it was too close together. The logistics were all wrong. All right, so I bother the same woman again and explain to her who I am and who I am meeting, and you know, ask if I can just sit in his trailer. You know, so she points it out to me, and I head over, thinking I have some time to do my business and still have enough time to let it air out. Right. Uh, but I walk into this trailer and notice his stuff all around. But I'm at a point of no return here. You know how it goes. You get closer to the bathroom, the more you have to go. All right? The more dire it gets. It's like car accidents. Most happen within five miles away from your house. This is proven by science. I have to go in and I go about my business. Your poo business. My poo business. <laughs> and when I'm done, I put my shirt back on. So wait, what you're... <laughs> Okay, I didn't, I didn't stop you the first time. So you actually take your shirt off. I feel like you're glossing over this. Another sidebar. Ever since I was a kid, I was really aware how people smell and smells and their effect in general. People's breath, people's farts, everything. I have a good nose. But I was so always so polite. So when it, even if it smells bad and makes me want to vomit at times, I'm trained in the ways of dealing with it. Like you have patience. I have an ability to accept smells as they are and just retch over them later outside of that person's purview. Um, but it also made me super paranoid about like how I smelled all the time. That being said, when I was a kid, I had this wacky idea that if I took my shirt off while I was taking a shit, then the smells from the toilet wouldn't get on my shirt. Like if I separated it from my body at the time of conception, I would be okay. You realize... Okay, you realize that your pants are closer to the poo, which right. is also an article of clothes. So, and I also need to know, like, where does your shirt go? You take the shirt off. Are you holding it? Hopefully they got a, like, little hanging thing in the stall. And that's why I always thought they had the hanging thing in the stall. 
I don't know. I'm just like, I have nothing to say. Like, I've heard people say that they need to take off their pants and I can get behind that, but your shirt. I don't, I don't want to be full nude in the stall. Let's just move on. You, you, you've, you've finished your poo. Am I getting this right? And you've, you've put your shirt back on? I put my shirt back on. I finished, I finished my business. And as I'm sitting there kind of monitoring the smell factor, I hear the trailer door open and then close, which is like, great, my worst nightmare. And like a kid who's terrible at hide and go seek, I legit turn the fan on in the bathroom as I hear him come in. Um, so for me, this is a very awkward moment. And for whoever is standing outside the door, this is a fucking horror movie. I love that the horror movie, though, would start with like, you walk into a trailer and all of a sudden the bathroom fan turns on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like the beginning of every actor's nightmare. Um, and not knowing what else to do in this situation, I literally say, hey, it's okay. It's just me, Tim. And on the other side of this door, I hear a voice that really didn't match the phone conversation voice say, I don't know it, Tim. So I open the door and standing before me, like, what the fuck, dude, is Bo Burnham? When I'm gathering this, you went in the wrong trailer, which one, don't the trailers all have labels on them? Look, she pointed, I went. I was in a fragile state. She could have pointed at a closet and I would have been like, fine, fine. I was only one door off. It was dark. Were you one door off? Because here's what I'm thinking. Dude, you, she directed you to the bathroom. You came back and you were like, this is who I'm here to see. I think you pissed off a PA and she just pointed you to a trailer. But okay, anyway, going back to this, I would, I just, how the heck does this blossom into a friendship at this point? Where does this? Well, in me, in, in this awkward moment, I just start blurting out like what I'm doing there and explaining the whole situation. Usually when people are in these situations, they kind of shut down and just kind of like move along. Me, I just verbally vomit all over this person trying to explain myself so they don't hate me, right? And I think he was either thought it was really funny or he was just being super polite. But my whole concern was like, I probably needed a good f- five more minutes in there with the fan. You know what I mean? Wait, wait, wait. What's the food source that we're talking? Fat burger. <sighs> okay. But I sweated my way out of there and I run into the guy that I was supposed to meet outside the door. Which was kind of actually great because it validated my presence. He was just like walking right past. So I see him. I look at Bo. I say, look, man, see, see, I'm not lying. You know what I mean? And then I just start to walk to like this huge catering tent with the guy that I was supposed to meet. Right. But what happens is, is that, of course, this guy gets pulled away because he's the director of photography on this major motion picture. He has better stuff to do than sit here and talk to me. So... I'm standing there, kind of gobsmacked, like, oh, great. Now I'm in this catering tent, and I don't know anybody. Right back in the high school, right? And I feel this kind of, like, slap on my shoulder, right? And I'm like, oh, God. So I turn around, and it was Bo. And he and he explains to me, he's like, and he says something. I forget exactly the wording, but he says something to me to the effect. was like, hey, man, I was going to eat my uh, trailer, but as you know, you know, there was day old fat burger smell still in there and I can't hang with that. Um, so, you know, why don't we sit down and you can, you know, uh, 
eat with me because it looks like you're out of place. You know what I mean? So he, he recognized it. He was very cool about it. And we actually sat down, got past the awkwardness of the meeting and actually started talking. And that's where our friendship started, which is how I think all great friendships start, right? Like just through awkwardness and uh, at least in my life. Um, I think that's how I got married. Um, it was just awkwardness. But uh, but yeah, that's how we started. And from there, it was like we talked, we exchanged information. And uh, it turns out I'm actually better friends with him than the guy I actually came there to see. So it actually worked out. And I'm never consuming fat burger again. I, th- I think that's a good thing. What's great about Bo is that he's an old soul, right? He is younger than me, which um, usually it kind of freaks people out to hang out with people like... 10 years younger or whatever. But for me, it's not that big of a deal, especially with guys like Bo. When I do hang out with my younger friends, I never like want to bring my kids around, you know, because it kind of freaks them out. What's great about him is that he he's cool with it. He's actually good with the kids, you know? We've, you know, I've known him since he started the whole eighth grade process, which Mo said before is one of the best films of the year so far. One of the best films of the past five years, in my opinion. Um, and I, I knew it was going to be good, like while he was doing it, you know, just kind of talking to him about it, the whole process. But when I saw it, I was floored. And what's cool about it is, is even though my career, um, as a filmmaker was a little bit, you know, young, um, I'd still made a couple things, right? But watching him go through the process and seeing his outlook on it, like while he was making eighth grade, it being his first film, it kind of gave me a different perspective on the whole filmmaking process. I was kind of like rejuvenated, like after like watching him go through it, then watching the film. I was like, man, like that's what good friends do though. You know what I mean? They make you step your game up, right? Like you're like, they make you see things that you may do and feel are mundane and like a, you know, like a horrible thing to go through. And they give you a different perspective on it. I don't know. He's the one of the greatest voices I think we have out there as far as comedy and now writing and directing. I really can't see um, anything but success from here on out. I mean, he is a necessary voice, uh, giving voice to a lot of necessary uh, voices that are kind of being silenced. And it's great. You know, he just has a great worldview. And it's it's interesting because, you you know, we always kind of like look at a younger person and think like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. And then it's disregarded. Right. But with him, it's like, nah, dude, this, <laughs> this guy's better kind of has a better perspective on things than I do. And I'm 10 years older than him, actually 11. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how our friendship is. It's still kind of new. I mean, it's only been two years, two, three years. What year are we in? I don't know. I ask myself that a lot these days. Um, the longest year of our lives. And um, I was trying to think of a way that you and him could meet. Well, funny, I I was like, I'll let Tim talk this whole time, but um, <laughs> I'm already fake besties with him, man. I've been fake besties with him <laughs> longer than you have. Um, and I actually remember when you pooed in his trailer and it was like one of these moments where like, I actually, you, you told me about it, like within the first 24 hours, as I would tell you, if I did the same shit story in the trailer, <laughs> I would do that. That's just who we are in our real and fake life. I think it was probably an exhausted text. Like when I got back to the hotel room. 
Yeah, like, so you told me about it, and then I, like, saw him at, like, just, like, a small, like, kind of, like, like, pool party or whatever or something, like, the following weeks, and he was just kind of, like, retelling the story to, like, me and, like, someone else of, like, this guy who was in his trailer conversation, and then I was, like, me bop, 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 boop, bop, putting the dots together, and then slowly, like, I think it was, like, by that time it was just maybe him and I just, like, talking. I was, like, hey, dude, was this guy named Tim? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, yo, he's my real life and fake life bestie. (laughs) And like, yeah, I guess I just never got around to telling you that or I just. Well, you're a damn good actor. Hey, why wasn't I in eighth grade? Um, No, I think it was just one of those things where I just, it didn't. I mean, it was a weird connect the dot things. But like, you know, that happens in real life and fake life where like you realize like you have like a friend who already knows someone. It, I just love talking to him because he's like, you can talk for like four straight hours about really, really big issues. And I like the fact that, and I have this too, it's like we need to listen. We need to talk and listen uh, right now um, and know that we're constantly learning. Like what I was like two years ago or four years ago, like what I thought I was like enlightened and a great forward thinking person. No, I was garbage. Garbage now, I'll be probably garbage in two years and six years. But like, I'll be a better garbage, maybe less smelly, maybe one that doesn't make you gag, but like, that's what our conversations are. And like, having like a great debate with friends just like gets me off. And like, it's really hard, I think. And it says you get older, you, you realize quality friendships are better than quantity. And he's definitely yeah. in that realm. Uh, but eighth grade is like, I mean, I don't know a single woman who didn't see that movie and was like, how the hell did a 28-year-old man write and direct this? But yeah, we already know each other. I'm already friends with everyone in that group. You should just, I guess. I'll just, I'll just come by. I'll just stop by. Bye, there's kids. We can all stand around awkwardly. I'm good at that. Uh, just don't eat fast fat burger, man. Yeah, no, 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 not at a pool party. My voice is dying just like my soul. Uh, so I think it might be time to wrap this up, but please go rent, buy, do all of the things related to Bo, but eighth grade, especially, especially if you're a man, do we have men who listen to this, Tim? I think, I think my, 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 uh, there's some friends of mine who listen to this, male friends, and if not, way to be supportive, male friends. So anyway, but yeah. I agree. Stream the shit out of Bo Burnham. And just remember, just because we've never met doesn't mean we can't be friends. 